0: But amen. It's good to worship the Lord with you this morning. God's mercy is indeed new every morning, and his faithfulness never fails. And his goodness is great toward us. God is good. Oh, well, some of you know how to do it. God's good all the time and all the time. God is good. Amen. I shared with you a few weeks ago about the need for prayer. Last week, I shared with you a couple of reasons why prayer is necessary and important in the Christian life. You have the what and the why of prayer. We need to faithfully pray in faith to our faithful God. And we need to do so because Jesus is our attentive friend and God is our affectionate Father. Today, I want to share with you about how to pray. I've shared with you the what and the why, but today I want to focus on how we are to pray. And yes, there is a right way... And a wrong way to pray. But just like Jack Wolf talked with our kids this morning, it's not so much about the words that you use, or about the length of your prayer, or even about the volume of your prayer. It has to do with the heart behind your prayer. So, I want to challenge you today to pray with all of your heart. Pray with all of your heart. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, some common verses that you probably, many of you probably know very well. And let's see together from Jesus' instructions about how to pray, how exactly we are to pray with all of our heart. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory of forever. Amen. We are to pray with all of our heart. Think about the word pray and think about this word pray as an acronym for instruction on how to pray. P-R-A-Y. If you'll just think of that word In light of Jesus' prayer, you'll know exactly how the Lord wants us to pray with all of our heart. We begin prayer with praise. We begin prayer with praise. That's how Jesus taught his disciples to begin prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We praise God for who he is we adore Him and we worship Him when we pray. Notice that God is our Father. This is the one to whom we are speaking when we pray. And if God is our Father, that makes us His children. You are His sons and daughters. That God has purchased with the life of His own Son on the cross for your sins. Isn't it wonderful to call upon God as your Father when you pray? In fact, did you know that with that simple address to God, our Father, you are praising Him for who He is and for what He's done? You're praising Him because you are acknowledging that He loves you. God is a perfect father in heaven who loves his children. And you're praising God for purchasing your redemption so that you can be his child. When you call upon God as father, you are loaded with meaning when you say that. Because you're thanking God for being good towards you as a perfect father. You're thanking God for sending His Son, Jesus, to be the sacrifice for your sins. Not only is God our Father, but pay attention, Jesus talks about where our Father is, where He dwells. Our Father who is in heaven. Heaven in the Bible is the dwelling place of God. In His presence, there is life And here's what's so neat when we pray and when we praise and worship God. We are exalting Him, lifting Him up on the throne where He is already seated in heaven. And when we pray exalting the Lord and lifting Him up on the throne of heaven, we are also elevating ourselves into the spiritual realm. Paul would talk about this later on to a group of believers. And he would say, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So many times as Christians, we look around in this world at the problems that we're facing, at the people that we're dealing with. And instead of fixing our eyes on God and lifting Him up in praise and worship in prayer, we're crying out the, oh my goodness, life is miserable. I don't know what to do. I can't figure this out. When we pray and we lift up God and worship, we are setting our minds on things that are above. And all of a sudden, when we set God on the throne of heaven, then we begin to see things differently. All of a sudden, those obstacles that have been in our way, we see as opportunities for God to demonstrate His power, don't we? We begin to have God's perspective and vantage point when we pray to our Father who is in heaven. Not only is God our Father, and not only does He dwell in heaven, but His name is, is to be hallowed. I like the Christian Standard Bible's translation of this phrase, May your name be honored as holy. God is a holy God. He is set above and far apart anything and anyone else in this world. And when we honor His name as holy, we are recognizing that His name is above every other name. When we pray, we're not just talking, lifting our voices up in the air. We are talking to the creator of the universe. He is light. In him there is no darkness at all. His name is trustworthy. And his name is to be honored when we pray. When we pray, we ought to begin by praising God adoring Him, spending time in worship, lifting Him up as the worthy God that He is. Not only are we to praise God when we pray, but we are also to repent. We pray with all of our heart by repenting. Notice what Jesus said at the, uh, towards the end here. Uh, sorry, not the end, what Jesus said in verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you might think, Jake, how in the world is that talking about repenting? Let me share this with you. To repent simply means to turn around. It means you've been heading the wrong direction and you stop. You turn around and you start heading the right direction. That's what the word repent means. It means that you stop going your own way and you start going the Lord's way. It is about His kingdom coming and about His will being done. And if we're honest with ourselves... A lot of times we go to God in prayer because things are not going our way, right? One of my uh, favorite thoughts about this idea in prayer comes from a pastor named A.B. Simpson. And he was going through his office one day just in a frantic... frenzy and a panic and a hurry trying to do all of these things for the 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 ministry that god had given him to do and somebody just said brother brother simpson what is wrong and he stopped and it was just like not even like he caught himself but like the holy spirit convicted him and he realized the problem he said my problem is that god won't hurry up like i will And in that moment, he realized, God, I'm not praying for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done. I'm praying for my own kingdom to come and my own will to be done. When we begin prayer by praising God, we can't help but continue in prayer by stopping to do all the things that we want to do selfishly and starting to do things that God wants to do and His sovereign wisdom and perfect plan. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is about God's kingdom and His will, not our own. C.S. Lewis, a theologian years ago, wrote this. He said, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Really, repentance is key to becoming a Christian in the first place, isn't it? There has to be a time in our lives that we realize we have only been living for ourselves. That the lies we've told, that the wrong that we've done has been because we wanted to do something that God did not want us to do. We have dishonored his name. We have disrespected his goodness. And we have chosen in our selfish, sinful nature to do the things that please us and not that honor him and bring him glory. Jesus Christ came to this earth and died on the cross for our sins. When He died on the cross, He was doing His Father's will. And the reason He died on the cross was to save all of us who have not done the Father's will. And that's why when we come to God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ we have to stop going the wrong direction we've been going all of our lives and turn around and come to Jesus in saving faith. It's when we turn around that God turns our lives around. And so maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering about how to pray. Listen to me. You really can't pray like God wants you to pray if you've never initially repented of your sin in the first place. God wants you to be able to praise and worship Him, but you can't praise and worship Him if you're still living your life for your own kingdom and your own will. But when you turn around, God transforms your heart and your life. And you come to know Him. If you don't ever turn around, then in the end what happens is instead of God's kingdom coming in your life and God's will being done in and through your life, God leaves you to what you've wanted. But the truth is, it's really not what you've wanted. God wants what is best for you. That's why the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. And that's why when you feel guilt and shame in your heart because of sin and sorrow over the wrong that you've done, it is the Holy Spirit laying that burden on you or really making you aware of the burden that you have already taken upon yourself. And He says, if you'll just come to Me, I'll forgive you. I will heal you. I'll cleanse you. I'll restore you. I'll make you whole. And folks, even after we have that initial point of repentance in our lives, when we turn from our sin and turn towards the Savior, there are still times in our lives that if we're not careful, we'll kind of push Jesus off the throne of our heart and start to try to take back over. And that's when we need to pray. God, your kingdom come, and God, your will be done on earth, in this church, in my life, just as it's done in heaven. Who's on the throne in heaven? Let me ask again. This is a question you can respond to. If you didn't know, now you know. Who's on the throne in heaven? If God's kingdom is going to come and God's will is going to be done on earth just as it's done in heaven, Who needs to be on the throne of your heart? God. We pray with all of our hearts by praising God, by repenting. And we pray with all of our hearts by asking. We need to ask God for things that we need when we pray. In fact, really, uh, these matters That Jesus prays over asking God for these things. Take up the majority of prayer. In verses 11 through the beginning of verse 13. We do not need to feel awkward or ashamed or afraid to ask God for the things that we need. Or for the things that others need. He is our Father. And we are His children. And He loves us. We can and we should go to God at any time, from any place, about anything. There are three specific things that Jesus told us to ask for in his model prayer. The first of those things Jesus told us to ask for is found in verse 11. That Jesus taught us and told us to ask for God's provisions. We're to ask for God's provision. Verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. Raise your hand if you have a need of some kind today. You need something today. All right, good. The rest of you apparently don't need to breathe to stay alive. Don't need food to eat to stay alive. Don't need a shelter to 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 live in the night, to keep you out of the mosquitoes or the smoke of the farm fields or the hot or the cold. It's Arkansas weather this time of year, right? We all have needs, don't we? God is able to meet every one of those needs. And Jesus simply tells us to ask God to meet those needs. If God is a good Father in heaven, and He is... And his children need something here on earth? Do you think that God is up in heaven going, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to give them what they really need today. I think I'm just going to let them go through life without having the things that they need. In fact, that's what I would like to do. That's not God's attitude. God loves his children. And yes, there will be times that we suffer in this world. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one right when you lack and when you have need you go to god and you ask him to provide this is the prayer of provision you ask god for what you need and jesus relates it specifically to food give us this day our daily bread that's a need isn't it jesus didn't say god give us a year-long supply of filet mignon it's not what he asks. He said, give us this day our daily bread. If you have a need, ask your Father. A second thing Jesus told us to ask for is pardon. Jesus told us to ask for provision. He also told us to ask for pardon. And we see this in verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Other translations say, forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us, or forgive us our sins, as we also forgive those who have sinned against us. And I want you to, to understand there, even though these two fit together, there is a slight difference between repenting of the wrong that you've been doing and asking for pardon, asking God's forgiveness. Certainly, when you turn away from sin and turn towards the Savior, you are expressing a desire to be forgiven of sin. And the Lord will indeed forgive you of sin. But forgiveness is really key. In fact, forgiveness is at the heart of these three petitions and at the heart of the Lord's prayer. If you look after the Lord's prayer in verses 14 and 15, Jesus went on not to talk about provision or protection but to talk more about pardon to talk more about forgiveness he gave this challenge to his disciples right after he taught them how to pray in Matthew 6 14 and 15 he said for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive men their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses In fact, it's after we've repented personally of our sin and been restored to right relationship with God that we are able to forgive other people. When we stop doing things our own way and start doing things God's way, we realize that those who have offended us or hurt us or made us upset or angered us or done wrong to us or said something mean to us That those people need God's grace and forgiveness just like we do. And if you've received God's grace and forgiveness, you will forgive others. It's what Jesus said. It's not what I made up. It's what Jesus said. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed Against us. Forgiveness. Pardon. Is the heart. Of prayer requests. To the Lord. We are to ask God for provision. We are to ask him for pardon. And we also. Verse 13. We are to ask him for protection. Look at the beginning of verse 13. Again with me. Jesus said. And do not lead us into temptation. But deliver us from temptation the evil one? And this might sound kind of funny to your ears. Why would Jesus pray that His Father wouldn't lead Him into temptation? I mean, does does God do that? Does He tempt us to do wrong and tempt us to disobey Him? The answer is a resounding no to that question, by the way, if you read later on the New Testament, the book of James. God's perfect, He doesn't do evil. He doesn't sin. He doesn't tempt people to sin. But what happens in our lives as we go through our time on this earth is this. When we're faced with challenges, when we find ourselves in certain circumstances or specific situations, we either have the opportunity to trust God... For we have the opportunity to lean on our own understanding and fall into the devil's traps and schemes whereby we get distracted from doing what God wants us to do. Several of us on Sunday nights during our evening discipleship time went through a study on the Lord's Prayer entitled, Pray Like This. And when we came to this section of the Lord's Prayer, do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil. One of the the teachers on the, the video instruction that we were watching put it this way. What God intends as a trial to build our faith, Satan will use as a temptation to break our faith. And when Jesus said, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, He's saying you're going to be faced with things in life. And you can either choose to trust the Lord or you can lean on your own understanding. And instead of trusting Him, you allow the doubts from the devil to creep into your life and to destroy and ruin His plan for you. So he's asking for God's protection. He says, deliver us from the evil one. Just as God has a kingdom and has a will, the evil one has a kingdom and he has a will. And it's not an equal opposite of God's kingdom. It's a kingdom of rebellion. In fact, the Bible calls it a kingdom of darkness, where Satan tries to hold people captive in sin and shame. But the Lord Jesus came to set us free, to transfer us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And if we ask God for protection to deliver us from the evil one, he will honor that request. We pray to God with all of our heart by asking him for provision, for pardon, and for protection. We need to praise God when we pray. We need to repent when we pray. We need to ask God when we pray. And we need to end our prayers by yielding ourselves to the Lord. We yield to the Lord. We see this at the end of verse 13 in the way Jesus closed this prayer. For yours capital Y, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We yield to God by allowing Him to live through us. And here's how we go about this process of yielding. His is the kingdom. That means wherever we go, we yield ourselves to the Lord. You guys ever done this before when you, you're getting on to the, the interstate or when you're in, on the interstate and somebody else is coming on the interstate? It just seems like we have a problem understanding that triangular sign surrounded in red trim with that one simple word in the middle that says yield. Don't we? I mean, I, I've done it before. I've been frustrated with other people when they do it. But, you know, I, I, I can notice their problems. I don't notice mine, right? That's the problem we have. You're, you're, let's say you're driving down the interstate, and somebody's coming on to the interstate. And instead of continuing to go or moving over in the left lane like you should, you just keep on going. You, you got the right of way. But you slow down, don't you? And then you kind of meet. And you're like, "Uh, oh, who's going to go? I got the right of way. They got the yield sign. I don't know what to do here. Or think about it from the other direction. There's somebody driving down the road. You're coming on to the interstate, this on-ramp. And instead of slowing down and allowing them to go ahead of you so you can fall in behind, which is what you're supposed to do, right? You speed up. You try to overtake him. Henry Blackaby said that we need to find where God's working and we need to join him in his work. You know what we do a lot of times? We find where God's working. We see the highway of holiness and we're ready to hop on. But instead of yielding to the Lord and following Jesus like we're supposed to, we put the pedal to the floor and we think, Jesus, you better catch up to me. It's not how it works, is it? His is the kingdom. Wherever we go, we are to yield to Him. His is the power. Not only wherever we go are we to yield to Him, but however He leads us, we are to yield to Him. His is the power. Has God ever asked you to do something, and you've thought to yourself, "God, there is no way I can do that." God, I would love to do that, but there is no way that I can do that. Has anybody ever had that thought before? Is it just me? Was it just Moses? Was it just Elijah? We've all had those thoughts, right? Maybe God asked you to give, and you go, "I don't know how to do that. I don't. I don't have the resources to give." Maybe God asks you to serve, and you're thinking, God, I I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the skills to do that. Maybe the Lord asks you to witness to a family member or a friend, and you think, God, I don't have the words. A lot of times, God asks you to do those things that you know you can't do so that you can depend upon Him to give you the words or the resources or the energy, or to equip you, to empower you to do what He wants you to do, because then you know you haven't done it on your own. But He has worked in and through your life. We are to yield to God whenever. Or sorry, we are to yield to God wherever. We are to yield to God however. His is the kingdom, His is the power, and we are to yield to God with whatever it may be. His is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. His is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Whatever God asks us to do, we need to yield to Him. We cannot add to or take away from God's glory. But we will encounter it one day. And when we encounter God and His glory, it will either be in joy because we've obeyed Him Or it will be in judgment because we disobeyed Him. Wherever we go, however we find ourselves living the Christian life, with whatever God asks us to do, we are to yield to Him. And finally, we are to yield to Him, not just wherever, however, with whatever, but also whenever. His is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. When? Forever. Forever. Amen. God wants to be honored and glorified in your life today and in the future. And if you will live your life in such a way that you yield to Him all of the time, then you will live a life of faith-filled prayer to God. God wants us to pray with all of our heart. Jesus taught us how to pray with all of our heart in his model prayer. We need to praise. We need to repent. We need to ask. And we need to yield. So here's my question for you in closing this morning. Will you pray to God with all of your heart? And perhaps, as you've heard from God's word this morning, He's spoken to your heart about something specific that you need to do in your prayer life. Maybe you've not been beginning your time of prayer by praising the Lord. And maybe right here and right now, you just need to come to Him and praise Him. Maybe you've been living your life for your own kingdom and your own will. And maybe you just need to repent. say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in this church, in my heart and life, just as it's done in heaven. God, you take the throne. Maybe you need to ask God for something today. Maybe there's something that you need. Maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. Maybe you're going through the midst of some spiritual warfare and you need to ask for God's protection Maybe you're here this morning, and God's calling you to step out in faith. And instead of getting on in front of Him or lagging behind, you just need to join Him in His kingdom work. Yield your life to Him and follow Him faithfully. I'll be standing down here in the front. If you need to speak with me or if I can pray for you in any way, I'd love to do so. This altar will be open if you need to come to God in prayer today. I just want to invite you, as God calls you this morning, would you come to him? Would you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Let's pray together. Our Father, who is in heaven, may your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Right here in Lawrence County, Arkansas, at First Baptist Church in Walnut Ridge. In my heart, in my life, just as it's done in heaven. God, we do pray that you would give us today the things that we need. God, we thank you for your forgiveness that's available through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we do confess our sin to you and we know that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God, we forgive others just as God in Christ has forgiven us. And God, we ask that as we are faced with difficulties and trials in this life that we trust you and that you deliver us from the evil one. God, we yield ourselves to you because it is all yours. The kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.